thought it was just like a perfect platform for him being home in a place where he won a championship before he ended up going to the Lakers. And now, I mean, you read the interview with the athletic of LeBron over the weekend, talking to somebody that he knows and trusts, a reporter that he knows and trusts. And, and those comments, you know, those are putting the Lakers on notice about what's going to potentially happen this summer and him leaving the door open for a return to Cleveland. Like, of course, we'd all love to see it come full circle. Will it? I don't know. This The next couple months, once we get through the finals and everything else, might be really interesting, a really interesting free agency period in the NBA, capped off by what's going to happen with LeBron James, how much longer he's going to continue to play, and what that means potentially for that return. But, you know, just the whole weekend was – I think really special and obviously the dunk contest and, and the stuff that happened on Saturday was kind of a downer, but to see it capped off this way with the King in the place that he built with Cleveland, getting to, to have that miraculous rise and talking about, you know, when he was a kid, he, he wished they could have come up there to see the greats. And now think about how many people were in that position yesterday, potentially, maybe not even to get into the game, but just to be around the aura of what was going on in Cleveland all weekend you know, the next generation of LeBrons could be out there watching that. And I just thought that was such a cool way to surmise what happened this weekend and just, you know, put a put a nice big bow on, on All-Star Weekend. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best way to look at it. And the fact that LeBron James didn't close the door on a return to Cleveland to cap off his career, I think he was giving the home fans something that they were looking forward to. And LeBron James is one of the most calculated people when it comes to making sure he crafts his legacy and and he has some kind of say about how he's going to be remembered. And I think one of the things that he said this weekend to Kenny the Jet Smith on TNT was that there was a moment in his career where he felt like he took the crown from Michael Jordan as the greatest player that anybody had ever seen. And he's going back to that 2016 NBA Finals when they were able to best what would what had been a dynastic Golden State Warriors team. And he says, and I quote, at the moment, I was like, I'm the greatest player people have ever seen doing something that's never been done in the history of the sport. And that's LeBron James referring to delivering a title back to Cleveland for the first time in over 50 years. And so the fact that he's on the record when the NBA is honoring the top 75 players who had ever played in that league by saying that this weekend, I, I thought that was LeBron James trying to get ahead of the narrative and making sure that before he steps away, before we see this decline in terms of him doing high-level winning, him acknowledging that he believes in his eyes that he's done enough to pass what everybody feels like is the GOAT in Michael Jordan. So I think when we started to look at that exchange, that embrace between the two of them, there's always going to be that little bit of energy, and I think that LeBron James kind of gave his answer to some of the things we've seen from Michael Jordan in the past, including the last dance documentary, in saying that to Kenny Smith and putting that out there for public consumption, that he believes that he's eclipsed Jordan as the greatest player of all time. And I think that's his prerogative entirely, and, and he can support that. I mean, you're still going to have that debate, which, you know, thank God COVID is kind of like nearing its end a little bit, because I remember during Sports Talk Radio when we had no sports, we talked about <laughs> that a whole heck of a lot yeah. on this radio <laughs> station. And I know that that's something that people, regardless of whenever LeBron retires, you're going to still have that argument, because then they're both going to be, you know, you're not going to have one active player, one in retirement. You're going to be looking at LeBron James, 
and Michael Jordan, not just within a vacuum, but the overall body of work. So, I mean, I I appreciated the comments that he said to Kenny Smith. I think that they're warranted. And there are a lot of people who are going to back that up, too. And it's kind of cool for him to be in this place. I mean, Cleveland obviously means so much for him to kind of Re- re- reflect, re- recap everything that was going on, and now he knows. Like he he hasn't said it that all that often. That's the thing, Chris. It's not like he's coming out all the time and like trying to like stake his claim on the NBA, saying like, "Yes, yeah, this is my league. It's not Michael Jordan's." But for him to say it in that form and fashion, in the time that he did, I think really hits home, and it's heavy because we don't know how much more how much longer we're gonna get LeBron. A, at this level where he's still, I mean, God, he's 37 years old and he's doing things that just blow your mind every single time you watch him play. And he has to because of the state of the Lakers right now. But Mm -hmm. nonetheless, watching him have that kind of energy still all these years later and not taper off, the argument stands for anybody who wants to believe, yeah, like he is the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, and LeBron James saying that he wanted to play with his son Bronny and how that would probably be his last year makes it that much more interesting because we know that Bronny is at least two years away from being NBA draft eligible and LeBron James would be 39 at that point. So could we see LeBron hang on just long enough to actually make that happen? And then LeBron saying that he would go wherever Bronny got drafted. That just adds another layer to the uncertainty surrounding LeBron James's immediate future. But we'll get to that. But also, Courtney, I thought you brought up an interesting point when it comes to the face of the league. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And when LeBron James does step away, is he still going to be the face of the NBA? And if so, will that still be the case when he retires? We'll have the answer for you, plus what we thought LeBron James did on All-Star Weekend to put the Los Angeles Lakers on notice. But first, a word from Body Armor. Let Body Armor Light help you achieve your fitness goals this year. Body Armor Light is the low-calorie sports drink hydrating your active lifestyle. It has no artificial sweeteners, no sugar added, and only 20 calories per 16-ounce bottle. Athletes like Mike Trout, Sabrina Ionescu, and Dustin Johnson use Body Armor Light to stay hydrated, so why not give it a try? From now until April 30th, buy $20 of any Body Armor product and earn $10 in fitness cash to select fitness retailers nationwide. Learn more at BACommitToFit.com. That's B-A-Commit-T-O-Fit.com. Did you hear what he said? I would play with my son anywhere. LeBron James last year in the NBA will be playing with his son. That's going to be a circus for whoever drafts his son. It also may be a power move to get his son drafted earlier than he probably will oh, be drafted. That will be the most watched draft. And that dude, as a hooper, he wouldn't be a first-round pick. The market is open, people. Courtney Cronin and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCandy99 and at Courtney R. Cronin. And Courtney, LeBron James, he's not one to mince words when it comes to trying to heap praise or criticism uh, on an organization that he's playing for. But during All-Star Weekend, he gave a little more shade toward his organization in the Lakers by heaping some praise on somebody that we didn't expect, and that would be Oklahoma City Thunder executive Sam Presti, who was the one that was the architect for putting together that team that once upon a time had James Harden, had Kevin Durant, had Russell Westbrook, and Serge Ibaka, a team that was able to be up 3-1 in the Western Conference 
finals against the Golden State Warriors before ultimately losing to that group and Golden State going on a championship run. But I thought it was really interesting that LeBron James decided to go out of his way to talk about how great Sam Presti was at being able to identify talent. Talked about Josh Giddey uh, a lot, who's a very, very young and -and up-and-coming player, fantastic player for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but seemingly going out of his way to praise him and I guess by default throwing shade at Rob Palenka, the Lakers' general manager, for not being more active at the trade deadline. I know that it feels like I'm reading a lot into this, but our very own Brian Windhorst has the article on .com, and that was the same conclusion that he came to. So i got to ask you, which side do you come down on? Is it much ado about nothing with LeBron James acknowledging one of the best talent evaluators in the NBA? Or do you feel like this is LeBron James being passive-aggressive and throwing shade at the Lakers' front office? Oh, the latter, 100%. I mean, remember, this is somebody who now like twice in the last month has not been happy with the Lakers' front office. This is a team that, you know, was stagnant at the trade deadline despite all of the stuff he talked about privately and publicly about trying to improve this roster. And then, you know, there was there was some instance where Rob Palenka apparently announced that James was on board with keeping things status quo, which a source told Brian Windhorst that there was no sign-off from LeBron James on that. So you've irked him once, you've irked him twice. So, of course, this is going to be a little shade throwing in the form of praise that he's heaping on the Oklahoma City Thunder general manager and just talking about all of the players. I mean, he listed KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson, the aforementioned Josh Giddy, and said, like, the list goes on and on and on, thinking about the way that those teams were built. Um It's no surprise how LeBron James feels about creating super teams. And you saw the tweet the other day where he called Les Snead a legend and, quote, my type of guy with the shirt that said blank them picks that he wore during the Rams Super Bowl parade because of the way that Los Angeles, the Rams, that is, constructed their Super Bowl roster in going after big name players who were, you know, able to get out of their contracts via trade, hitting the free agent market, all the things that they did to construct that team. That, to me, shows that that's where his mindset is. It's not on remaining status quo here at the, you know, now that the trade deadline has passed and we're about to go into the back half of the NBA season where, once again, it's going to be April and we're going to be talking about the exact same thing with this Los Angeles Lakers team. He doesn't have enough around him to get it done and all the injuries and, you know, Anthony Davis and how long he's going to be out with the ankle injury and everything else. It just isn't up to what LeBron James wanted it to be. So I, I think it's shade. I think it's a a very smart way of doing it, heaping praise on someone else and not like directly tearing down um, Rob Palenka. But man, you can tell that LeBron is pretty peeved about the way that things have gone with the front office of the Los Angeles Lakers. Here's ESPN NBA reporter Dave McMenamin on what he thinks LeBron James was doing All-Star Weekend with his comments. What I do think is occurring right now is there is pressure being built by him to tell the Lakers front office that you got to do better. And guess what? If they don't do better, the pressure would be to ownership to, well, maybe you got to make a move in the front office to give us someone like Sam Presti who can manage the position better. And to me, like, that's where this is coming to a head. It, it is either front office do a better, better job or we need a better front office. Well, and, Courtney, here's the thing that I would say. When it comes to Sam Presti, nobody is going to deny how great an eye he has for being able to scout NBA talent and being able to put together teams. But, but the model that Sam Presti uses in order to build those teams 
isn't necessarily something that we've seen LeBron James embrace because Sam Presti does it in the way of draft picks. Like, when he moved on from Russell Westbrook, he got a bevy of picks. When he moved on from Chris Paul, he got draft picks. When he moved on from some of the other stalwarts that we saw on that Oklahoma City team, the Paul Georges of the world, he got draft picks. Yeah, they tore it down to be able to try to build it back. Exactly. That's not necessarily something that LeBron James has wanted to do. LeBron James wants to consistently be competitive and to mortgage future draft picks in order to make the team as good as it can be in the here and now. And so if you're looking at what the L.A. Lakers did at the trade deadline or, in fact, didn't do by not trading that first-round draft pick in 2027 along with Russell Westbrook to acquire the contract of John Wall, I can't blame Rob Palenka for that. I mean, let's also acknowledge that LeBron James was a part of the brain trust that thought it was a good idea to move KCP and Kyle Kuzma in order to bring over Russell Westbrook. So you want me, if I'm Rob Palenka, I would say to LeBron, you want me to help you undo a bad decision by mortgaging a first-round draft pick that we're going to need once you step away from the franchise, that part of the game I can't go along with, I don't agree with. And so, you know, when we start talking about where does blame need to be laid when it comes to roster construction for the L.A. Lakers, sure, Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka deserve their fair share, but we also have to put some of this at the feet of LeBron James. Yeah, and that's the that's the blessing and the curse. We see it in the NFL too, right, where players want more of a voice. And it's like, well, what happens when stuff doesn't go as planned? Like, then do you get the blame there too? And you're right. LeBron was very instrumental in the construction of the 2021-22 Los Angeles Lakers roster. I mean, there's no denying that. And, you know, previous rosters too. Um you don't hear him saying anything about like, yeah, like I kind of wish we can like walk that back. I wish we like didn't do that. But mm-hmm. then again, you know, I think the eye for talent and what he talked about with Sam Presti, because you're right. Like think about the, the that team that had Harden and, and, and Kevin Durant and like the whole crew together. You had three Westbrook, MVPs. You had three were, MVPs on one and, team. And they were all drafted by yeah. that group. Like, But LeBron's never going to be somebody who's going to the places that, you know, are part of the teardown rebuild, right? Like, he's just not at this point of his career he's going to end up doing that. So I can understand, like, why he wants the teams built the way that, that they are, and you can definitely give your, you know, roses where they're due for people who can eye talent. I think he's just irritated that Rob Palenka wasn't willing to do that for him in this instance. So you heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did LeBron James use All-Star Weekend to put the Los Angeles Lakers on notice, tap in on the candy calling line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But coming up next, what should the penalty be for Jawan Howard after the altercation with the Wisconsin coaching staff? Courtney and I will chime in. This is ESPN Radio back after this. And we've got a dust-up right now. Jawan Howard and Greg Gard were going nose-to-nose, and now we got a problem. we got a wrestling match going on. Is it got nasty there in the end? That sound courtesy of Learfield Sports. You're rocking with CC Times 2 on President's Day on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin and Chris Canty. And Courtney, 
even though it's CC times two, because it's we both have two C's, is it C squared? Is it C to the fourth, to the fourth power? Like, how are we C cubed? What, what are we doing here? You know, I like stats. I don't like math, so I'm going to leave this up to the experts. Yeah, I'm not a math I'm guy go- either. I'm good with going C squared times two. Well, that C, works C for squared me. was my nickname in college because it was the two C's, so I'm just trying to figure out how do we do it with both of our initials being double C's. It's hard to figure out. There's a lot of math. I it's over my head, Chris. It's I'm over your not, head. I'm okay. not equipped for this. So. Okay, so we're just gonna we're just gonna punt on this conversation and just it, move unless that somebody to the side wants altogether. to inform me of like how to like do that, like how, to which power or is it cc squared or is it c squared times? T- I don't know. It's I'm confusing myself even talking about it. <laughs> All right, I, I don't want to confuse you with too much <laughs> math. But one of the things that was not confusing for me was Jawan Howard and where he had his pregame meal at because it had to be Slapperbees the way he was acting at that Wisconsin game. I mean, we got to go there, Courtney. It was an ugly scene, but, of course, everybody's seen the clips or heard about it at least. Michigan men's basketball coach Jawan Howard hitting Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff in the face in the postgame handshake line between the two teams, which really set off a brawl between players and coaches from both sides. And it all started with Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard stopping Jawan Howard in the handshake line, trying to explain himself about why he used the late-game timeout. The two men exchanged words, of course, with Jawan Howard putting his finger in Greg Gard's face and then uh, grabbing Greg Gard's sweater before Joe Krabenhoff came over. And then, of course, we know LeBron, uh, Jawan Howard hit him with the open-hand mush. And so I know that this is one of those situations where it's hard to both sides this thing. But, Courtney, from my perspective, there's blame to be had from both head coaches because ultimately they're the ones responsible for upholding the standard of sportsmanship when it comes to student-athletes at the collegiate level. Yeah, like if you're going to do this, then there are going to be consequences to pay. And I know like there's actually a better view than what CBS had shown. There was a a local TV station, I believe, in Madison that had raw footage where – they showed the the interaction between Guard and Howard after the game, and you can hear Jawan Howard say, like, I'll remember that, and he's referring to the timeout. And I kind of have issue – I take issue with everybody in this situation, and I know that I'm coming from it from, like, a different perspective. But to me, once again, sportsmen and their hormones getting heated over absolute nonsense. Like, do we really care at the end of the day, Chris? There's 48 seconds left. Wisconsin's up 76 to 57 and guard calls a timeout to get his starters off the floor and put his bench players in. Why are we that upset about that? And I know it ends up resetting, um, you know, and then 15 seconds to go. He had the other timeout because he wanted to make sure that the players on the floor could break the press effectively and advance the ball past half court to avoid the 10 second violation. All of these things are within the rules. He didn't do anything that was wrong. That would like be like against the rules of basketball, but you know, emotions get involved in here. And I think that that just kind of is what it boils down to is that we're going to blame this on. I had a long talk with somebody about this last night that so often we let things that happen in the arena of the comp, uh, the arena of competition, just, just go past because, Hey, it's sports. Things get heated, whatever. Like, do you remember the miles Garrett thing a few years ago when he takes his helmet off and whacks Mason Rudolph on the head? 
if that's in the streets, if that's anywhere else, that's assault, and you go to jail for something like that. If something like this happens outside of a basketball arena, then there's probably either charges being filed or at least the police getting involved more than what it was. And that's just what bothers me because when I see stuff like this happen on TV, I always say we're never going to learn because this stuff keeps getting excused by the arena of competition and tempers flaring and people being in like the, the, the peak of the moment. And I just think that's all BS because mm. act like an adult, stand up for the rest of your team, but don't do it in a way that's going to cause you potentially to get suspended to end up hurting your team, which I believe they're 14 and 10 right now. They're a bubble team. Like this now's the, now's the time where they're going to need their coach and he might not be on the sidelines because he might be facing a suspension. Well, I will say this, Courtney, it's hard to contextualize what happens in the arena of sport and liken it to what happens in a normal workplace environment because we know that sports – whether it's the collegiate level or the professional level, it's it's not the same workplace environment. Like if a teacher screams at a student and uses profanity, that that's something that's unacceptable and that teacher is probably going to be fired. If a coach does that to a student athlete or to a professional athlete, that's something that's just deemed as par for the course or passion. So I don't know if we can necessarily use that parallel. It's not apples to apples, but I think there is a clear, bright red line that was crossed when it comes to the behavior from both coaches in that instance, in that scene that was so ugly between Michigan and Wisconsin. But let's hear from Jawan Howard, Michigan head coach, on what he didn't like about the timeout from Greg Gard late in that game. I didn't like the timeout being called, and I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, not necessary at that moment, uh, especially being a large lead. Um, and then for to have the timeout, um, to be called with three seconds or four seconds to go, um, you know, I thought that that was, you know, what I felt wasn't fair to our guys. And so that's, that's what happened. Here's what I will say, Courtney. I don't like the fact that Jawan Howard tries to defend his position and why he was so upset. He can be upset about it, but the fact that he let the emotions get the better of him in that instance is completely unacceptable. Now, I'm also not one to be here for Greg Gard or any person putting their hands on another grown man because you don't like the fact that they wanted to walk by you and not acknowledge you in the handshake line, which is exactly what Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard did. You saw that Jawan Howard was irritated. You saw that he was frustrated. What makes you think it's okay to put your hands on him in that situation and stop him from where he's going? I absolutely have a problem with that as well because I felt like that was a part of what escalated the sequence of events that led to Jawan Howard mushing the assistant coach from Wisconsin. I'm not absolving Jawan Howard for his behavior, but I do think that was Greg Gard actually instigating mm-hmm. the scene that we saw, and that part is also inexcusable. So from my perspective, when it comes to the punishment that needs to be doled out in this situation from the Big Ten – I don't think it should just be one coach getting suspended. But that's just from my perspective. No, I mean, like, take a look at the – there was an assistant from Wisconsin – who um, I don't even know how to like say this on the, the radio. diamond cutter. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's it's what a wrestling. Call it. It's a re- it's a wrestling move. It's like one of those wrestling things, but it's completely inexcusable. Yeah, like you should like, not be exhibiting that kind of behavior on the court, especially in a scene like that. Because Courtney, I'll be honest with you. They got lucky that more people didn't get involved in this thing. You could have had people from the crowd coming in. You could have had the student section coming in. It could have been a lot uglier than it was. You could be talking about students getting hurt in that situation because grown men that have seven-figure salaries 
can't control their emotions. That's the sad part about it, and that's also why I think the Big Ten is going to be heavy-handed when it comes to the punishment that they dole out because both of these teams are scheduled to play on Wednesday. I don't anticipate either head coach being available for those matchups. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around, and Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is going to probably have to get to this pretty quickly. Uh, I would not be surprised if by tomorrow we end up hearing something, If we, if we even if we don't end up hearing from both Greg Gard and, and Juwan Howard again, but there's plenty of punishment to go around. I hate that it got to this level because, you know, the next thing we're going to be talking about is, well, maybe we just don't need the handshake line after the game because we're not mature enough to handle it. We're not mature enough to, you know, express emotion without like putting our hands on another individual all right we'll tap in on the candy call in line if you got something to say about it 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 what should the penalty be for Jawan Howard and for Greg Gard following that altercation at Wisconsin we'll have your calls and we'll also have the XFL in the NFL working with one another hmm we'll see about that Courtney Cronin Chris Candy, ESPN Radio Courtney Cronin and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCanny99 and at Courtney R. Cronin. And we'll get to the XFL-NFL partnership in a minute. But, Courtney, we got some folks on the Canny call-in line that got some stuff to say. And Tony really wants to get at my neck about my position on the fight between Jawan Howard and the Wisconsin assistant coach. So let's do that. Let's go to Tony in Ohio. And, Tony, I'm here. Go ahead and get your issue with me, my friend. What's up, man? Uh, I listen to you guys every day. I, I, I didn't want to get at your throat, but I just wanted to know if you was reading a script in that last segment or if this is real, like really your position on the Jawan Howard thing. No, that's how I feel, Tony. You ain't never got to worry about me reading the script. I'm going to give it to you raw and uncut. That's just where I'm coming from. When it comes to putting hands on people, we have to acknowledge the blame on both sides with it. And it was clear that Jawan Howard was going to do a blow-by like our ESPN basketball analyst and Seth Greenberg said earlier today on Get Up. He was just going to walk right by him. He said what he had to say, and he was going to keep it pushing. There wasn't going to be a handshake between the two coaches because Jawan Howard didn't appreciate what happened at the end of the game. Now, we can criticize Jawan Howard for being thin-skinned in that regard because Greg, Greg Gard didn't do anything that was outside of the rule book. I, I don't think he did anything that was Bush League. He had the timeouts. He used them even though he had a big league. Jawan Howard can feel a way about how yesterday's game went down, but he also should feel a way about Greg Gard impeding him going where he wants to go. I don't believe that you can do that with any person. You can't stop somebody from going where they want to go just because you don't like what they have to say. I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you there then. Okay, there it is. We appreciate you, Tony. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's go out to Bert in Ohio. Bert, you're on ESPN Radio. What you got? They love the show. I'm a big-time Michigan fan, but I think Jawan Howard probably has coached his last game at Michigan. Wow. Courtney, what do you think about that? I don't think he's going to get fired. I really don't. And the only reason I say that because, yes, there's the culmination of events. What happened in the Big Ten tournament last year when he and Mark Turgeon got heated. There's been some other things that have been reported, too. Like, I get it. And it's kind of like, how many strikes are you going to keep giving this guy? But 
you know, think about Michigan itself right now. Uh, Ward Manuel, the AD there, just gave Jim Harbaugh that massive contract extension. He's calling Wisconsin today to apologize for his head coach's behavior. I feel like he's got a lot on his plate, and he's just trying to do the best damage control he can do because it's been a weird few weeks for Michigan, and I just can't see, you know, I understand that he put his hands on someone else. If it was a punch, if it was a true punch, Chris, that's a different story. This was, what, what did you call it, a mush? Like a mush. slap? Um, yeah. If it was close-handed and it was a close-handed fist, I think we're talking about a completely different thing. I know people are going to argue with me and say, who cares? He touched another individual in a very inappropriate manner. He should be fired for that. I just think that they're going to look at this and say semantics on this, where it wasn't something as hard as hitting somebody with a closed fist. That, that, would, that to me, would have been the line that – would be the inexcusable, you are fired for this. I think, honestly, I know people are going to hate it, saying using the mush as the excuse there that that's probably going to get him out of being fired, but he will absolutely be suspended. He may not – honestly, he may not coach the rest of the season, but still, I don't think he's getting fired. Yeah, and Courtney, I don't know if I would necessarily uh, disagree with that level of punishment for Jawan Howard because it's the example that we're talking about with the student-athletes, and it Mm -hmm. did – incite a brawl you're talking about players from both sides getting involved in that where the responsibility for both head coaches is to de-escalate situations like that and neither took that tax so that's the part that's a bit surprising and because Jawan Jawan Howard did from a physical standpoint was much more aggressive than Greg Gard I think he's going to get a, a heavier suspension but that still doesn't absolve Greg Gard from his responsibility in it as well I believe he stands to be suspended from it as well, and I think that's what Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is ultimately going to do. But here's what I will say about the job security. Brand Jordan is 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 responsible with University of Michigan. I don't know, because of the relationship that Juan Howard has with MJ, that that's going to be a situation where he allows him to get fired. That's just how I see it. But coming up next, what does Brian Flores hire in Pittsburgh say about the Steelers and the NFL? We'll tell you, ESPN Radio.